Uh, well, good morning. My name is Stephen Clore, for those of you that may not know me. Um, and we've been attending here at Pillar of uh, Oceanside for about six, seven months now. We got here in August, and my wife Becky, and we um, were part of Pillar Stafford uh, launch. About, it was quite close to three years ago now. Um, and that was an amazing experience. And so we've come to love the Pillar Church Network. Um, and just how network of churches outside of military bases that allows people to come and get plugged in, and then when they move, they can plug right into a new community with the same foundation, if you will. Um, I'm also a uh, military chaplain. I've been a Navy chaplain now for coming up on 18 years. Hard to believe that. Um, for 18 years, and um, and with that being said, also I'm endorsed by the North American Mission Board as a, a Southern Baptist chaplain, and been doing that for my whole career as well. So. Just a little bit about me. Uh, we have three, three children. Uh, many of you already know that, but three children, all serving in the military. Uh, one is a religious programmer uh, for the Navy, a religious program specialist, and our daughter Sarah is in the Air Force, all pr- also pursuing to go into religious affairs. And then our daughter, she's uh, pursuing the medical field uh, in Cornwall. Um, so that's a little bit about us. But uh, as we get going here, we are moving on to the next section of Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 1 through 6. So we're going to take what Michael did last week. Oh, I forgot to say. Okay. Yeah, I told her it could be dismissed. Missed that portion. I didn't get that into my notes. I told her it could be dismissed. Steve, I've been here for 10 years and I missed every single song. Yeah. No problem. So, uh, as Michael kind of uh, went over uh, the, the previous portion of scripture last week, we're going to actually recap that a little bit uh, here in a minute, moving into then 2 Corinthians 4 1 through 6. But before I do that, I want to ask you a question. Um, think about this, and I'm pretty sure we'll all raise our hand when I ask this question. Has there ever been a time in your life where you found out some information that you said, boy, I wish I had known that yesterday, or I wish I had known that a month ago, or six months ago? Yeah, yeah. So I'll tell you a quick story. When I was joining the Navy, I was enlisting in the Navy, um, you know, they told me, yeah, you're going to get the GI Bill. It's going to be great. You're going to go through college one day. I said, yeah, sign me up. Boom, right? Join the Navy. Go to boot camp. I'm sitting at boot camp. It's, you know, it's that first 24 hours. You're sleep deprived. You're filling out paperwork. And they're like, now, if you signed up for the Navy college fund, you need to put this down over here and fill this paperwork out. I'm like, Navy college fund? What's that? And they're like, oh, that pays for an additional four years of college. So if you get the GI Bill, that pays for four years of college. But if you get the Navy college fund, that pays for another four years. I'm like, oh, I want that. Sign me up. And they said, sorry, um, uh, your recruiter had to sign you up for that. And now it's too late. I'm like, oh, man, you know. Uh, so uh, information I couldn't use, you know, Mr. Recruiter told me. And we could probably all relate with something like that that's happened to us. Well, today we all are beholders of a very, very, very important piece of information, and that's the gospel message. The message of Jesus Christ and the hope of salvation. And what I want to encourage you with today is that here in this um, section of scripture, Paul writes, there's four powerful truths that show us the power of the message of the gospel that every Christian can take and work immediately to share because of these four truths. And I'll tell you them up front, and then we'll work through them. Um, The first is that God's ministry, sorry, this is God's ministry, and we are his ministers, okay? So this is God's ministry, and we are his ministers. And then secondly, this is God's message, and we are his messengers. And there's a nuanced difference. You'll see that in a minute between being messengers and the ministry. Okay, They go right together, but there is a slight difference. 
And then the enemy of God works to suppress God's ministry and message. The enemy is actively working. And then lastly, the ministry and message of God will prevail. We know the end game. We know revelations. It's going to all happen. So with that being said, let me read the passage of Scripture, and then we'll work through it. And I forgot to set my timer. Oh, no, it is set. Okay, good. Make sure I don't go too long. All right. So, 2 Corinthians 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden... We have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the light of in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they may not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. So as you see, the very first word in the passage is therefore. So one thing they teach us in Bible College and Seminary is that when you see the word therefore, that means you've got to go look back what's right before that. Because everything we know here, therefore, let's do this, okay? Put it into action, what was just talked about. So just to really quickly recap, Michael talked about last week, he, he talked to us about how our, some people, their hearts are hardened to the gospel message, and they are not receiving it. And when one turns to the Lord, that veil is then taken away, it's removed. And there's these types of ministry in place. We're going, to unfold, we're going to unlock these here in a minute. But there's the ministry of condemnation and death. There's the ministry of righteousness, of life and the spirit. And since we have received the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we are beholding of God's glory, then we are being transformed. We're being changed to become more like him. So knowing all this, and if you want to go back and read, uh, hear last week's message, if you haven't heard it, I encourage you to do so. Knowing all this, therefore... Let's unpack the next section. Now, going to verse 1, you see, therefore, since we have this ministry. What is that ministry? And so I'm going to unpack a little bit from last week here as well. Um, the ministry that we have, one, is the ministry of condemnation in 2 Corinthians 3.9. And Michael unfolded this a little bit last week. The law of God, the Ten Commandments, the laws of God show us that we're sinners, right? They show us that we are condemned. They show us that we can't keep the law. That we are sinners. Um, and so part of the process of coming to faith in Christ is coming to the knowledge of the gospel message that requires the person to come to recognize that there's a standard that God has set for us, the law, that we cannot keep. When I was uh, parenting our three children, who are all doing well now, which I'm very happy about, but there was one process, there was one time that I was putting the sermon together. One of my children was in the, let's just say, the older teenage range, right? Um, and uh, this particular one of my three children um, decided that uh, they didn't like my rules, right? Um, you know, imagine that. And so, and so uh, I had set rules, and this child had broken one of those rules, and so therefore I said, okay, well, because you broke this rule, you're going to have this consequence, you know, doing the parenting thing. And this particular child looked at me and said, well, if you didn't make the rule, then it wouldn't be a rule, and I wouldn't have to follow it. I'm like, that's correct. That's correct. You know? 
However, comma, I'm your dad, you're under my house, you're in my authority, I made the rule. Yeah. <laughs> I made the rule, therefore, uh, it's a rule you're going to have to follow. Well, I'm not going to follow it. Okay. Well, then there's going to be consequences, right? And, and we kind of unpack that. Thankfully, uh, you know, so just all of you that are parents just know you're going to have to face that. It's going to happen. And then they grow up and they figure it out, right? Um, and so here, you know, God has set for us a set of rules, but we can't follow them. And so we realize in Romans 3.23, all of sin, we all fall short of God's glory. And that's that ministry of condemnation, right? But then there's the ministry of righteousness, 2 Corinthians 3.9. Understanding that because I am a sinner... My righteousness is as filthy rags. That's in Isaiah 64, verse 6. Um, understanding that because I am a sinner, my righteousness is filthy rags. There's nothing that I could do in and of myself to meet that standard, to bridge that gap between me and God. Um, but God did the work. He did the work to bridge that gap, right? Romans 3, uh, 6.23 says, The wages of my sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so coming to understand that, that God is the one who cleans me off and declares me righteous through the work of Christ on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, he became the curse of sin in our place and received the punishment that we deserved. And so I can receive then righteousness that when God looks at me, he no longer sees the sinner who can't keep the standard. But now he sees, he sees me as righteous, as a child of God, um, because... I've believed upon Christ, that he's my Savior who died on the cross for me. Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth before Jesus, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For in the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. And so that's the good news of the gospel. And we know that. Most of you probably know that. But I always like to go through it because there may be somebody sitting here today that has never heard that or understands that. Or somebody that may be listening to this recording later. Um, the good news is, is that my sin was atoned for, it was paid for, and that I can receive salvation through Christ, uh, payment for my sin in eternity with him. And then that brings us to the, the next ministry, which is the ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, behold, new things have come. Now all these are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, as committed us the word of reconciliation. So this is the job that God's given to us, and I'm not going to unpack that much further because I know it's going to get preached on in another week or two. Um, but to simply say that that's the job we've been given, this is the ministry God has given to us. And the word ministry is from the Greek uh, i pronounce this correctly, diakonia, uh, I believe, uh, to render assistance or help by performing duties, often a humble or menial nature, to serve, render service and help. And so we could do ministry, and we could do lots of good works, but if the ministry is not leading towards these other ministries of, of condemnation and reconciliation, of uh, righteousness, leading a person towards that gospel message, then our ministry is in vain, right? It's got to be leading people towards the truth. And, and one good way of thinking about that is if I'm doing ministry, it might be meeting a physical need of somebody, right? Providing a meal, uh, providing help, uh, maybe help with bills or help with this, that, and the other. Physical ministry, 
I want to then bridge that towards spiritual ministry, to where I help them come to under, know and understand and live out this gospel message. So this is God's ministry. We are his ministers. We have to carry it out. Moving on to that first verse, the rest of it, it says, As we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. We must keep in mind that the ministry of reconciling people to Jesus Christ, it's entrusted to us, and it's hard work, and it's difficult, and there's going to be times where we want to give up. But God says, don't lose heart. Um, I remember very, very, very uh, clearly my time um, during a tour at Paris Island um, as a chaplain there working with the recruits. Um, it was very taxing. It was six and seven days a week, long hours, uh, not much weekend time with the family. And, and there was a time at which I was extremely, extremely frustrated, you know, really, really having a hard time. And a good friend of mine who was a, who was a uh, one of our volunteer ministers there, he, um, he pulled me aside and shared with me this verse one day. And it just was like water. To, <laughs> it was like fresh cup of water. It's like, oh, I needed to hear that. Do not lose heart. Keep pressing on. And I'll tell you, during that tour at Paris Island, um, I was able to baptize over 400 uh, uh, new recruits coming through. And that was taking the time as much as I could to disciple them. I didn't get a lot of time because it was very limited in their tour, in their training time, but um, it was a very rewarding time of ministry, but yet very toxic. So how do people come to know God? How do people come to know Christ in this ministry? I wanted to share with you real quickly that two, two real ways that people come to the gospel message. One it's through what we call general revelation. And that's just simply meaning that through our senses, we can perceive the world and know there must be a God. Uh, Psalm 19, 1-4 talks about that. It says, The heavens tell of the glory of God. Their expanse declares the work of His hands. Day to day pours forth speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. And so that passage talks about that we can look at the created world and know there must be a God. Another, another point principle, and this one I've added, so the scripture verse might not be in the computer back there, but in Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says that God has set eternity on our hearts. So there's, there's this thing inside of us that God's put there that, like, we want to know that there's something out there, something bigger, something, something that, you've heard this said maybe, that we have a God-shaped hole, that only God can fill that hole. And that's what I would say is true there. And, and one researcher, her name is Dr. Lisa Miller, she's written a book called The Awakened Brain, um, has done a lot of research in this area. And what she's come to find through science is that uh, for young adults age 18 to 24, they are going through what's called a spiritual growth spurt. She calls it a spiritual surge. Um, this time in their life when they're asking very deep questions, whether they realize it or not, they might not even be cognizant that they're asking these questions, some are, some aren't, right, depending on what they're actually putting together in their mind. But they want to know these things. What is the nature of our reality? What is the meaning and purpose of life? Is there such thing as God or a supernatural world? What happens when I die? And they're asking these questions and they're trying to figure it out. And imagine if they haven't grown up hearing or understanding any of that, then they're, they've got this whole incredible array of belief systems out there and they're probably through this device right here trying to what do I believe? What can I hold on to? And, and Hollywood has plenty of answers. Um, they're not real good ones. Um, but they're grabbing. They're trying to figure it out. And, um, and what uh, a recent Harvard study found is that young adults who don't have a strong sense of meaning and purpose to their life, 
um, have a lot of mental health problems. I mean, they, they go right together. So that last song that we sang, they, God is the anchor of my, my anchor, my hope. I mean, that was perfect, right? And I don't know about for you, but that's where I found my anchor for sure is in God. So that's the general revelation, but then there's special revelation, and that's the gospel message. How do we enter into a relationship with God? It's through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so coming to know Christ is the next critical part of that. And I say all that to say because maybe you're, maybe you're interacting with somebody that may be showing interest in spiritual things, showing interest in, in God and things like that. You can enter into conversations that talk about general revelation, that talk about how we can know there's a God through the created world or through that eternity set on our hearts, which then may lead bridging that conversation to the gospel. So how do people, um, I'm sorry, as they come to the gospel, um, Romans 10, 13 through 15 says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? How will they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? How will they preach unless they are sent? Just as is written, beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news of the good news. And so this is the next important bullet here is that the message has to be transmitted person to person. That's just how God designed it. Um, like I said, I didn't make the rules, he made the rules. Uh, the gospel has to be transmitted from person to person. So this is God's message, but we're the messengers. All right? And that's just the reality right now. That's this time and place in history of biblical history. We're not in the Old Testament. Um, we're in the New Testament. We're in the time period where the gospel is being transmitted by the church to people. We are the messengers. So take that heart today. Moving on to verse 2. It says, But we have renounced the hidden things because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but the manifestation of truth commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So Paul states here the importance of not preaching the gospel for a dishonest purpose. Okay? He's contrasting himself with those who did preach for financial gain. And, he's, and when he says the word shame there, it means to be dishonest. So you can take that and, and just you know, take that to heart. As we're getting after the sharing of the message, we need to watch our own hearts, that we don't fall into any kind of dishonesty. Um, that we stay in tune with God, that we're on track with God, doing things the way God wants us to do things. Then, you know, and I, just what popped into my mind is how there's, and there is, there's churches out there that they're so focused on, you know, publishing books and selling books. And here's what you need for the your, your, your here's what you need to grow in your faith. You need this book and that book and this book. And and when I see that, I just no no. All we really need is the Bible. Amen. That's all we need. And so any, you know, if we do write any books, if we do put together any materials, it should be for the purpose of simply helping people get to the scriptures and get to um, the word of God. And not, not any kind of a selfish motive. Um, it's God's message. We, we don't need to add anything to it. You know, we don't want to take anything from it. The Bible talks about that too. And we want to keep moving forward, um, sharing his truth. The verse goes on to say in our passage, but the manifestation of truth Committing ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. This is this was so. This, when I saw this part, I'm like, yes. I mean, I got kind of excited right here. Okay, so um, because we can commend the truth to people and understand that God's going to work in their hearts and in their conscience. He's going to do the work. And I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. There, you know, after 17 years of being a chaplain and a youth pastor before that, 
I mean, there's times where I was like trying to make things happen. <laughs> you know, I'm like, you understand this? I gotta tell this to you. You gotta, you gotta do it. And and as I have grown in, in my walk with God and, and doing the work of God, I've come to realize that I don't gotta do that. <laughs> I just gotta share it with them and let God do the work. And I'll show you. I, not just too long ago, had a Marine, you know, come into my office and we were talking, and, and I just shared with them a little piece of truth, and and where I could tell where he was at, and. Then, and then when he walked out, I obviously wasn't quite sure. I'm like, I don't know how that went. I'm not quite sure. But then a week later, he comes in, and, and something had happened in his life, and he came in, and he's like, yeah, okay. And I could tell now he was ready to put into action what we talked about last week because of some circumstances that played out in the week. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe that God works in circumstances. So um, it, was, it was really awesome, just like I said, that was literally like a week ago, to see this very truth in place that, we can commend the word of God to people. And God's going to do that work. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living, active, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Amen. If you're sitting here today, I just ask you, have you ever had that happen? Like you read a passage and just something just like, right? Or you're sitting in the message and the sermon and, and the pastor says something and you're like, is he preaching right to me today? Right? I thought that happened. I know. I'm sitting in the in the pews and I'm like, how did he know that about me? Right? That's not honestly, he didn't know. It's God. God's doing that work, right? God's doing that work, and he pierces our hearts with his scriptures. Second Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for proof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate. Equipped for every good work. So if you wonder why I'm reading so many Bible verses, now you know why. <laughs> because the Word of God does its own work. I don't even have to do too much work. I can explain it a little bit, expound upon it. But God's going to take that, put it into the heart, and grow it and develop it. And this truth is so important because we can know that if we have shared the truth of God's Word with someone, we can trust God to work in that person's life over time and we may or may not see the fruit. And you got to let go of that. Right. got to let go of that. Um, trust God to do the work. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 9. I planted, Apollos watered, but God had caused the growth. So that neither one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but God who causes the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. Such a small, such a small truth, but important truth, right? Um, moving on to the next portion of our passage, it says that even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In whose case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers, so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So in biblical times, we saw this last week, Michael talked about it, so I won't talk too much more about it, but you had the Jews holding on to the law that would not accept that gospel, and that's still true today. There's those that won't move on to the New Testament message of Christ. Um, There were other nations in the Old Testament that were invited to join the nation of Israel that chose not to, that choose to continue to worship their false gods. And today, that continues, folks will hear and know and understand the gospel and will reject it. And, and, and I was just uh, reflecting 
uh, as I was putting this together, ways that I've seen in the workplace of how I really, I, some say that we live in a post-Christian culture right now. Um, I kind of see that. I think that's, that's true. And because I hear, I hear phrases in the workplace like this, like, like I was talking to so-and-so, and let me tell you, that person, we just need to have a come to Jesus moment. I'm like, okay. but they're not talking about the gospel. They're not talking, <laughs> they're talking more about confrontation and working something out. But they use that phrase because they know it from a more Christian time in our nation, I would say. Um, or people will say this, hey, I need, I'm not trying to be evangelistic here, and they'll be talking about something work-related completely. Like, they're not talking about, again, the gospel or anything else. But they use that phrase coming out of you know, time's past. Or just simply taking the Lord's name in vain. And we hear this kind of language happening, and we know that there are those that have completely rejected uh, the message of Christ. And so we need to remember that these people are blinded by the God of this age. Philippians 3, 18-19 says, For many walk, of whom I have often told you and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. And so we know the enemies at work. He's telling us in the word of God. Um, and so as ministers and messengers, we're going to run into that. And when we run into it, we can know that's okay. <laughs> this is what's part of it. This is part of what we do. And as we proclaim God's message, we can keep in mind that we're going to get negative reactions to the gospel. As a chaplain, and I have a fellow chaplain in the audience, you could probably relate with this. There's been times where I'll schedule a service. It would be in the field with Marines or whether it be on a ship with the Navy folks, and no one comes. And I'm sitting there going, and if it hasn't happened, brother, it will happen. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you're sitting there and you're going, man, I spent 20 hours preparing this sermon and I put together music. I got all this ready and then no one shows up. And, um, well, early in my career, I would have been really frustrated. But one of the things that God taught me over the years was, that's okay. And by scheduling the service and advertising the service and preparing the service, the message was still going out. Everybody knew something was happening and being prepared. And, and so, um, and, and one chaplain, um, this has been a while, about a few years back, he was, uh, he was working with Marines and he's on social media. And one day he posted a picture and he said, and, and the picture was him sitting in a chair and he's sitting there and he's looking at his Bible. And he said, this picture is a picture of a Marine who walked in on me about 15, 20 minutes after I had had a scheduled service and no one showed up. So I decided just to pray and read scripture and just say, God, well, what do you want to do? And this Marine showed up and he saw me sitting there and snapped that photo. And then we ended up having a really great conversation. And um, I mean, so, so the message still goes out, even though we might feel like we're meeting that negative opposition. And that's okay. Spiritual warfare is very real. We will encounter it and we can know it. Um, moving on, next section. It says, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus our Lord and ourselves as our bondservants for Jesus' sake. So here Paul is emphasizing the importance of not preaching ourselves or our name or making us look great. It's because that's the mark of a false prophet. And when the emphasis is on what the person says or what makes them great, then it takes the emphasis off of Jesus Christ and his word. And that's important, right? Uh, the emphasis needs to stay on Christ and his word. 
Um, and uh, I just, uh, I'm laughing because I'm remembering to a moment where Becky and I were sitting in one of these larger churches um, and just a comment was made, you know, as we were leading up to communion, um, a comment was made to a book that the pastor had written to about the communion. And I was there going, let's just focus on what the Bible says <laughs> about communion. Not necessarily what the pastor said in the book, right? So, so again, it, it can very easily move in that direction of trying to make us look great or trying... No, keep the focus on God's Word. It's a life of surrender to God. And um, it's a stepping down from position of power and humbling ourselves um, to the message and the ministry of God, right? Um, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Is one of my favorite passages. I have a whole sermon on this. Trace, if you ever want me to share it. <laughs> this is one of my favorite passages. Uh, Philippians 2, 5 through 8. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also Christ Jesus, who although, also, sorry, getting tongue-tied, who although he existed in the form of God, he did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And so, um, so this important attribute of Christ, that when he became in human flesh, stepped down from heaven to take on human flesh, that he did not regard his equality with God something to be grasped. In other words, something to be used for selfish gain. But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a bondservant. And that's what God is telling us, is that we need to take on the form of a bondservant. It's to be completely submitted to the work of Christ, to being that minister, to being that messenger, and to um, do what he's called us to do, surrendering my life to that purpose completely, surrendering myself to the Great Commission. Um, The Great Commission. Um, I'm jumping ahead in my notes a little bit, but uh, go therefore and make disciples, Matthew 20, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. We're going to have a baptism day. Woo-hoo. <laughs> baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always to the end of the age. Um, so, so to step down from... Step down, that's a better word. To let go of whatever I thought my life was going to be. Right? It's a surrender. It's say, you know, I thought for my life I should do this. Have this career, do this thing, make this money, own this house, get these cars, whatever, Right? To let go of all of that and say, God, I want to surrender to your plan, your purpose, to be your messenger, to be your minister, to get the gospel out there. So, Lord, take me and place me wherever you want to place me. Use me how you want to use me for that end. Um, Because uh, anything other than that is to serve another purpose, really. So we come down to what is the purpose of my life. This is what God is telling us. This is the purpose he has for us. Moving on to the end, last section here. For God who said, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who is shown in our hearts to give light to the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so this is referencing Genesis chapter 1-3, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and God separated the light from darkness. Um, 
So just as God created light that shone out of the darkness, he did the same for us when he shone in our hearts the knowledge of the glory of God. When God made the decision to send Christ to earth to pay the price of sin on the cross, crucified, died, buried, rose again three days later, and tells us he's our Savior, that was the light coming out of the darkness, right? Um, and I don't know about you, but I've never seen anyone able to turn on some darkness and flood out the light. It doesn't work, right? You can always turn on light and flood out the darkness, but you can't do the opposite. And so just as God, like I said, he brought the light of Christ, uh, but now it's our job to take that light and share it, right? Um, and go around and share it with others. Um, it's a miraculous work of God. He makes things happen. All I have to do is show up and do that work. I need to be his messenger. I need to be his minister. I need to understand the enemies at work. Um, but knowing that God will make it prevail. God's going to be the one to, to, to do it. Um, and I'm just reminded of, uh, as we were making our cross-country trek from Quantico, Virginia to here, we decided to do some sightseeing on the way. And one of our sightseeing spots was uh, in Arizona to go on a, a like a mine cart ride, wasn't it? There? It was a mine cart ride <laughs> into, this, uh, into the mountain you know, where they did mining, right? And um, so we have these lights on our heads, you know, we're going in. And there's some places where it's really, really dark, right? But then you turn the light on, and you can see, right? You get around inside and, uh, and hopefully not get claustrophobic. And, um, and just, in, you know, that, that reality of the light flooding out the darkness uh, was very real. And so in closing, that's, that's the final point, is that the ministry and the message of God will prevail. So, my encouragement to you all today is to take on that those roles. To be, to be the minister of God and the messenger of God. Knowing that, you can rely on his message. Because it's his. And it has power. It has the power of the Holy Spirit within it. It has the power of his words within it. That all you got to do is be faithful to share when everyone comes your way to share. Right? And, and sometimes, sometimes and you can be reliant upon the Holy Spirit to give you that word in that moment with whoever that person that comes your way. Um, I, when I first started out many years ago, I would remember so many times where I would get up in the morning, I would pray, and I would read scripture, I would see my morning devotion. And, but I would pray, and God said, God, use me today. And then later on that day, somebody would come across my path and we'd enter into a conversation. And next thing I know, they'd be asking a question directly related to the verse I read that morning. So the verse was, was fresh in my mind, and I was able just to share it with them. So I didn't do a whole lot. I mean, God had given me the word that morning, and I just was like, oh, let me just tell you, I just read this, right? So God's good like that. It's not, it's not hard. It's, you just have to make yourself available to the message and ministry of God. But know the enemies at work. People will reject it. But God's word will prevail. 28 seconds left. I did good. I did good. All right. That was my biggest worry this morning. I, get, I put a lot in here to get through. Um, let me close in prayer and ask the worship team to come up and close in a, in a, in a song of, of just saying, Lord, you know, put it into action in my life. Um, let's pray. God, thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you, Lord, for, God, your word that you've given to us. God, thank you for this uh, job that you've given to us. It's so vital to be the, uh, the messengers, God.